I wonder what you think of when you hear the word repent. Many folks in this room have been in the church for a while, and so you probably think of what we talked about a minute ago, this definition of of turning back, you know, this uh, 180-degree turn, this uh, heading one direction and start going in the other direction. That's a very good definition of it. You've seen these signs, these repent or perish signs. You ever seen some? We have some folks in Birmingham sometimes who stand on street corners. Um, You see them in big cities and different places, sometimes people on street corners. Um, holding up the sign, you know, it says repent or perish, usually in bright red letters, all caps, you know, probably seen that before. I think the world, when they hear this, they probably heard it the way that that audience heard it when Paul said it in Athens, the text Chad read for us a minute ago in Acts 17. That was a very secular audience. They were, I mean, they were religious in a sense. They worshiped a whole bunch of different gods, but but they were very secular in the sense that they, you know, they came to the Areopagus, they came to the Mars Hill, and they, they gathered there every day, these smart folks. They were uh, folks who just liked to sit around and talk about philosophical things. Uh, you know, when we think about history, when we think about Greek philosophy, you know, that, you think about Athens and, and all that. So, so they, they like to talk about that. And then Paul comes in there with this message about Jesus. And, and, and really, his message has a couple of components. One is you need to repent. And number two, you need to repent in view of the fact that there is a coming resurrection. They scoffed at that. Many of them did. Just, just kind of like, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? That's just silly. That's silly. Get, away, get out of here with that kind of metaphysical kind of talk. Let's, let's talk about stuff that matters. And I think that's the way sometimes our world hears this message that I'm going to share with you today. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a message that doesn't resonate with a lot of folks today. It should, I think. But it doesn't. It doesn't because our world has become increasingly secular, increasing, increasingly focused on the here and now and, uh, and, and not really thinking about that which transcends our current experience. We're focused on, 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 on things here and now, the physical, you know, rather than any kind of transcendent supernatural thing. But if we believe that there is a God who transcends our current experience and that He's called us to something higher than this current world, then we ought to understand that He leads us to a transformation, a transformative kind of experience that changes the way we live life. That's what repentance is. I want us to do a couple of things. One, I want us to spend a little bit of time at the beginning just talking about meanings, words. We'll talk about three words, really. Not going to dwell on this, but I do want you to know what the words mean. It's important for us to get that part down pat, you know. And so we'll look at two Hebrew words, one Greek word, so that we might get a better grip on what it means to repent. This this will be kind of like a dictionary, concordance kind of definition. And uh, in, t- in order to do that, we'll go to the Old Testament for for a minute, and I want to give you two words. The first word is, it's, it's pronounced something like nacham. It's in, it'd be transliterated, N-A-C-H-A-M. It's used quite a few times in the Old Testament to, to connote this idea of sorrow. I'm going to read a couple of passages where it's used. But this has very much of a, uh, in fact, the, the dictionary definition is this word means to be sorry or to console oneself. It's, this is to be sorry. This is, this is when you get caught doing something. This is the, 
This is uh, one of our kids who you know, gets, gets caught pulling his sister's hair, and he's not sorry about it until he gets caught, right? This, this is that. And then he's overwhelmed with sorrow. This, this is that. And it's not only that, but that, that's part of it. You know, it's this idea of, of being sorry for what you've done, usually in view of the fact that one you know, got, got caught doing it. Here's, here's one passage where it's used. It's used more than this, but this is actually used of God here. But listen to it. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. There's where that, that's in the calm there. That he should change his mind. That part. God is not like us. He doesn't need to change his mind. He doesn't get, to, he doesn't get sorry about what he's done. He doesn't have remorse. Now, sometimes the Bible uses words that may make us think that God gets sorry or he regrets something. That's not what those few passages in the book of Exodus or Numbers that seem to indicate. And, it, and it's not this idea that God regrets what he's done in the sense that he, he should have known better. But rather, in, the, in this text, it shows us, you know, God doesn't do something and then he immediately regrets what he's done. He doesn't have that kind of experience because he's not us. But anyway, the word nakam means to be sorry. I'm going to come back and we'll talk more about how, what this means to us in a minute, but here's another word. It's the word shub, transliterated S-H-U-B, shub. And this one gets closer to that definition you and I started with, and, and that is to turn or to turn back, and that's literally what this word means. It means you go in one direction and you turn to go another. So this is a really good definition of repent. Uh, let me give you a couple passages here. Hosea 11.5. They shall not return, there it is, to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. So two times in that text, once in the literal sense, they're not going to go back to the land of Egypt because they have refused to come back to me. It's this idea of returning. And so I'm going to repent to my hometown. I'm going to go back to my hometown. That sort of, that sort of use. But also it's a spiritual word. And, and he, he uses it that way there when he says, they're not going to go back to the land of Egypt because they have refused to return to me. They, they refuse to repent. They refuse to, to turn back toward me. So that's the second Hebrew word. That one's used more than any other. It's used hundreds of times. I think 900 some odd times in the Old Testament. It's a whole bunch. Most of the time it's just talking about turning back somewhere physically. But a lot of times it's used to talk about repentance as well. Here's the third one, and this is a Greek word. Uh, you remember in uh, Acts 2.38, this is a verse that we know pretty well in churches of Christ usually. At the end of that sermon, or after they interrupted his sermon, and they said to Peter and to the others, they said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, verse 38, repent, remember that? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can quote that one. Uh, first part of that, the word repent. So this is the word metanoia. Metanoia. It, um, it's, it's close to that shove idea in the Old Testament in, in that it, 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 uh, it carries with it the idea. It's a little stronger, I think, but it carries with it the idea of turning. But it goes deeper than that. In, in the New Testament, usually what it means, it, it carries less of a physical thing like Shub talked a lot about, well, I'm going to go back to Egypt or I'm going to go back to Canaan or whatever, like a physical sort of thing. Metanoia is more of a, uh, of a, of a spiritual word. And it, it means to have a change of mind 
that's accompanied by a change of purpose or action. Try to remember that part. This is important. A change of mind alongside of a change of purpose or action. This is very important when we talk about biblical repentance. Change of mind alongside of a change of purpose or action, or a change of mind that leads to a change of action, a change of purpose, you know. So it's a, it's a pretty, important, pretty important word. So that's the first idea, just understanding what the word means, okay? Uh, here's the second thought. Let's really think about what it means. Let's get beneath the surface uh, with, with any time where we define words using dictionaries. Uh, we may understand that on some sort of plane, some sort of intellectual plane, but of course God wants us to understand this on a deeper level, not only intellectually but experientially and thinking about what it looks like in, in, in life. So I want to go to a story with you guys. The story's found in Luke 15. Probably this is going to be in your top five list, top five stories in the Bible, I'm guessing. It ought to be, <laughs> I think. It ought to be there. This is the story of the prodigal son. And a beautiful story. Probably, you know, some people have called this the story of the, uh, of the prodigal sons uh, because really the focus ultimately is not on the younger son so much as it is on what the father does in reference to both sons and uh, particularly concluding with uh, the older son. But having said that, it is pretty, it's a pretty neat story because it describes an experience of a young man who takes the inheritance, demands his inheritance early. Uh, and, uh, and the younger brother, you remember the story well. He takes it and he goes a long way away from home. And he goes to this place maybe he had been dreaming about his whole life. No rules. He's got money. He's got freedom. He doesn't have a father and mother telling him what he can and cannot do. He, he doesn't have all these restrictions. I mean, in a sense, everybody in this room probably has that, has had that kind of goal or dream or just maybe thinking at times, man, I wish I could just do whatever I wanted, you know. He gets that in the story, and he goes to that far country, and he has a blast for a while. I mean, what can you do as a young man with a lot of money and no rules? A long way from home, and you don't have to worry about people finding out, I guess. That's what he does. He didn't care so much about God at that point. He just has fun. You remember the story. And so, so he's there for a while, and then, then a couple of things happen. One thing that happens is, inevitably, he runs out of money. That's the first thing. The second thing that happens is there's a great famine in the country. And so he doesn't have any money, and, he, and he, he's, he's in a hard economic time as well. So he finds himself, as you know, working in a pig pen, feeding the pigs. I tell you that because I want to, you know these words. I know, I know pretty much everybody in here probably, you remember the words that are used to describe the change. That, that moment that he had in verse 17 of Luke 15. Verse 16 says he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. Verse 17 says... But when he, remember it? When he came to himself, he said, that is the moment where he experienced what we're talking about today. He, he experienced nakam, shub, metanoia. 
He experienced that. That's what it looks like. We can talk about concordances. We can talk about dictionary definitions and Hebrew words and Greek words. But you and I probably can relate to that a little bit more than we can relate to definitions. They don't stick with us a whole lot, but images do stick with us. Stories stick with us. And when we see this young man, and we see him, we can relate to that. Man, I can understand his wanting to experience that and, and how much fun it must have been for a moment, you know. But then he's at the bottom. I mean, he is, he's in the pig pen. And I know this is a story that Jesus made up because he wants to communicate this idea, but he's using graphic imagery. And you know this, right? You know that the worst place in that world that a Jewish boy could be would be in a pig pen. They didn't go anywhere near pigs, much less feeding pigs, much less eating what the pigs ate to become pigs. You know? He's, he's wanting to eat what the pigs eat. That's as low as you get in that world. That's, I mean, that is the bottom of the bottom, right? But... He came to himself. And, the, and those words that Jesus chose to use there are important because I think they reflect this idea that, that, that's very important in repentance, and it is a complete reorientation. It is a change of mind alongside of a change of purpose or action, but more than that, it is just realizing this is not what God created me to do. This is not it. That experience, that thing I had craved all of my life and having the fun, no rules, no regulations, no worries, man, it was not what I actually needed. Coming to yourself, that's the most beautiful image of repentance that I know of. It is this, it's this moment when God overwhelms us and we realize that God is so beautiful and He is so wonderful, and His plan is really the best plan. It's the only plan. It's the only way for, for me, for you. Coming to yourself. It is coming to the person that God created you to be. That language, you think about it, when He came to Himself. What does that mean, when He came to Himself? He came to Himself. Where was He before that? Where was Himself? You know, He came to Himself. And I think Jesus is, is helping us to see Repentance is coming to yourself. It's going back and it's becoming the person God created you to be. God's the one who loves us and He wants what's best for us and we mess that up and that's what sin is. But when we repent, we come to ourselves and we start seeing things as God sees them. And that brings us to this last idea this morning and that is what does it mean to you and me? What does it mean to us? In this little section of the book that we're reading, uh, Believe, Repent, Confess, Be Baptized, this four-week section in our one-word devotional book, obviously that is a description of the conversion experience. You believe, you trust in Christ, which leads you to a change of thinking and a change of action with reference to your lifestyle, sin. You confess your faith in Jesus Christ as God's only Son, the experience of conversion culminates in your being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So that four-week thing we're doing here is obviously talking about the conversion experience. And it is, it's important to talk about it like that. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and sing. If there's anybody here who's ready to become a Christian, then, then, then part, of that, part of that moment, part of that time is you repent. You change your mind about your life. You come to yourself. All right?
But I want to... So we're going to do that in a second. But, but I want to make sure we get this. Repentance isn't... It's not a, a check mark. You know, it's not a thing you check off. That's why I, I don't love these... I don't love these images of, 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 step, of a step ladder. Of, of hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, live faithfully. You know, I don't love those. I know what they're getting at, but I don't, I don't think they really communicate it, it, it very well because any, any, any part of that, to an extent, every part of it is something that we do every day as Christians. It's, it's, a, it's a complete reorientation. We keep on hearing, always. We believe. Yes, we do come to a moment of faith. That's an important moment. But man, we believe. We've got to keep on believing. It characterizes us. It goes back to the cross. We repent. Yes, we come to that moment of, we, we come to ourselves. That's the pig pen moment where he comes to himself and he turns back toward home, right? That's that, that moment. But repentance is something we do all the time. It is a way of life for Christians. I'll come back to that in a second. Confession, we'll talk about this last Sunday. That is a moment when you say with your mouth, when you say, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But confession is something that we live with our lives and with our mouths every day. Uh, it's, it's, it, people look at us and we confess Jesus. We have that moment. It's a physical moment when we go down to the waters of baptism. But in Romans 6, Paul talks about baptism as a way of life. We are baptized, and every day we're baptized. Not, not physically, but every day we, we live in view of what that baptism signifies. So, so with repentance, I think it's important for you guys to make sure that you're aware of this. And that is that every morning we wake up as Christians, and we live a life of repentance. And what that means is we, we orient ourselves in our lives so that we view our actions and our world and God in the way that God does, the way that God sees who we are and who He created us to be and what we do. And so when we sin, it's not, ah, oh, man, I ought to do better. When we sin, we learn to hate that thing the way God hates it. It's not just a slip up. We have once again, deface the image of God in us. And we hate that. We hate that moment. We see it for what God sees it to be. And it's not just a slip up. We can become kind of casual about sin. Even Christians can. Yeah, we see bad sins in people's lives, but our sins sometimes, well, you know, we know why we did them. It's not, not that huge of a deal. God's grace is so wonderful and all that. And it is. But repentance is a complete reorientation where we view the world as God does. This is a, a journey. I'm not suggesting to you that we, uh, we're going to have this figured out by 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. This is a lifestyle. This is a, this is a journey that God has led us on. And so I want to close with this. I want to close with an encouragement to you to try to be aware of the way you view your life and to do something. Ask God as a matter of habit, not just thoughtless habit, but intentional habit, ask God to help you repent. Because it's a gift of His. Ask God to help you see 
your life the way He sees it. Ask God to open your eyes so that you might see those sins that you don't even know about. We do that. We, we can't see. We're blinded by our own sinfulness so that we can't even see our own sinfulness at times. So ask God to open up your eyes and open up your heart so that you might be convicted by His Spirit to experience remorse, to experience a turning back, and to experience a change of mind that's accompanied by a change of purpose in the way you live your life. If you're not a Christian, we already talked about the journey to Jesus Christ. And we're here this morning if there's anyone who's ready to experience conversion and to be baptized into Christ, we will do that today. Maybe you need to ask for prayers because you're penitent and you want to turn back toward the one who created you. We invite you to come. Let's stand and let's sing this song.